You are Locked On Lions, your daily Detroit Lions podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Jam Pack Thursday show, everybody. Locked on Lions on the Locked On Podcast Network. Matt Derry with you on this a Thursday, January 27th, and a Friday, January 28th. We got Championship Sunday coming up this weekend. And at the end of the podcast today, toward the very end, you will hear from some of the national experts on the Locked On Now podcast. A little bonus here on the show today. Also, our good friend Brett Whitefield from FTN Data and the FTN Network. They do so much work with analytics, numbers, and uh, look at everything from the draft to the current rosters. And Brett, of course, focuses on the Lions. He's our guest today here on the podcast as well. On this, a Thursday edition of Locked On Lions. Thanks for listening, everybody, and joining us. And thanks for making us your first listen each and every day here on the pod. Follow me on Twitter at Derry Speaks, D-E-R-Y Speaks, at Locked On Lions on Twitter, and also on the Matt Derry Facebook Fan page, if you are into the uh, Facebook scene. If you're not, I get it. Uh, all right, real fast, because I want to talk to Brett. We want to do the Lockdown Now segment so we can preview the games this weekend, of course. Rams hosting the Niners. Matthew Stafford trying to get to a Super Bowl. And Kansas City. Uh, how about them Chiefs? Uh, bringing in Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. Should be uh, a doozy of a couple of games um, coming up on Sunday. Real fast, though. Wouldn't you think... Wouldn't you think an NFL franchise would learn its lesson? What happened in Detroit a few years ago, and as recently as 2020, the Lions tried to go all Patriot way, and it was an unmitigated disaster. Adam Schefter reporting today, the Raiders have already interviewed New England personnel executive Dave Ziegler, And today they interviewed Josh McDaniels. They could be a package deal. Pat's offensive coordinator, Pat's personnel executive, Dave Ziegler. So you mean to tell me that the second coming of Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia, a couple of Patriot slaps, are going to go to Vegas? The Raiders just raidering. There are the Raiders. That's like the Bears hiring Ryan, firing Ryan and Matt and hiring Ryan and Matt. (laughs) Pace and uh, Nagy out, Poles and Ibruflus in. Some of these organizations, uh, you know, we sit here and go, oh, the Lions, you know, that, that bit, that narrative about the Lions being so bad, and we know they're bad. I don't have to tell you that. But it's like Matthew Stafford got away from the Lions. He was there for 12 years. They're so bad. They're so bad. <laughs> the Raiders and Bears, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know they've won Super Bowls and everything, but like, those aren't good organizations either. Ziegler and McDaniels. Good luck with that, guys. Oh, my goodness. Jim Caldwell is not going to get another job. It's that Lions jinx. It just never goes away. Once you're a Lions coach here and you're let go, it's over. All right. Uh, Brett Whitefield coming up next. Let's talk about the Lions roster. Let's talk about the draft. Brett also is in love with a quarterback in the draft. Wait till you hear this. Uh, Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today, and you'll receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKDOWN to get started. 
from football, basketball, hockey, all the Vegas casino games. Uh, you can do it at betonline.ag. Good, good spreads, uh, all the numbers, whatever you need at BetOnline. BetOnline, where the game starts. Our guest today on Locked On Lions, always love uh, chopping it up with this guy. Used to be at PFF, now with FTN Data, the COO there. Really breaking down all the numbers is Brett Whitefield, and let's talk some Lions with Brett. Hey, buddy. What's up, man? How you doing, man? Good, buddy. Uh, you're, you're a busy guy, I hear. I am pretty busy with a lot of things. <laughs> well, congrats on all the news with your family, and uh, uh, great to hear your voice. What was your take on the season? What, what, what you know, as you now step away, and it's been a few weeks. What'd you think of the uh, the twenty twenty one Lions? Yeah, I thought it was a honestly a very successful season. I think I have a pretty optimistic viewpoint compared to most. Um, I really think Dan Campbell went like a really long way to establish kind of his fingerprint on the team and, and kind of develop that culture of who we are. Um, I say we as in from his perspective, but like who, who are the lions? And I think he, he went a long way to develop that. And, and he's kind of brought this default aggressive mentality to the team. And I, I think the season w- was awesome establishing that it was cool to see. As far as on the field. And I know you look at, at so many numbers with, with the folks at FTN network and everything else. And, and you've been in the building in the past um, from an analytical standpoint, I hate that term, but I'll, I'll use it here. You know, how, how did some of these guys grade out and how much improvement was really made? Yeah, I so early on, I think the offensive line kind of struggled a little bit where we thought that would be a strong point of the team. As the season progressed, though, that unit really came together despite dealing with multiple injuries and, and having to you know face that all season long. Uh, I think that's going to be a strong point going forward. Uh, I think there's a really good chance they, they can keep all those the starting five together there, and that's going to be kind of a building block. All those guys did really, really well. You know, Decker and, and Sewell are, are a great tackle tandem. Sewell kind of hushed the doubters that didn't think he could transition to right tackle after a rough preseason. Uh, he was phenomenal down the stretch. You know, he ranked very highly in our um, all of our pressure metrics and, uh, you know, run block success rate, stuff like that. So he, he he's definitely a building block there. They, they struck gold with him, I think. Um, that's definitely the building block moving forward. It kind of goes hand in hand with, you know, the identity that they're trying to establish as a team. So it's kind of a perfect combo, a nice little thing for uh, the staff and Dan to inherit as they, you know, took over the team. Interesting. You know, Halapulavati Vitae went from right tackle to right guard. You know, some said overpaid. Quietly had a really nice year, didn't he? He did. He did. And the, the move back to right guard, you know, when they first signed him, I thought it was to replace Graham, Glasgow. So I thought it was a right guard move the whole time or a, or a guard play, I should say. Um, and, you know, it didn't really go well for him at tackle. He doesn't really have the, the quickness in his feet to to be a, a true pass setter like that. So going back to right guard, you know, in the scheme that they're running, getting on those combo blocks with Sewell and being able to, you know, pull a little bit, I, I really think that kind of emphasized the strong points of his games while minimizing the weak points. Brett Whitefield with me from FTN. Talk a little bit about the Lions. We're going to get to the draft in a second, but um... – where are you on Amon Ross St. Brown? I mean, it's obvious he was the star of the rookie class and, you know, graded out even higher than, than, than Panay Sewell. But did you, did you see that at all? Yeah. If you, uh, if you follow me at FTN, I wrote a draft profile on Amon Ra about a year ago to the date. 
where I said that uh, he was one of the hidden hidden gems in the draft, and I, I had a day two grade on him, actually a high second round pick grade on him. I was flabbergasted that he he was still available on day three, and uh, it was cool to see the Lions go up and take him. But anytime a receiver's taken in the fourth round, you're a little skeptical of what that could mean. And uh, everything I saw in his college tape, he he did well in the, at the NFL level as, as a rookie. And um, I think this is this guy's a real deal, and he should be a huge part of what they're doing going forward. But did you see this? <laughs> this is a rare. I mean, yeah, you know, every game he's over 100 yards. Every game he's over eight catches. I mean, and, and with nothing around him, that that was what was astounding to me, Brett. Yeah, it seems like defenses. You know, they could have tried to take him away, and despite despite that, he uh, you know kind of excelled. A lot of a lot of what he does is manufactured in a way. You know, he gets a lot of scheme throws to him, which which helps pump those target numbers and those reception numbers. But uh, as he continues to develop and becomes even a better route runner, I think some of the more downfield stuff will come together a little bit. But he should be, uh, you know, at worst, I think their number two guy heading into next year for sure. Talking to Brett Whitefield, what about defense? Um, what did you see this year? What did you like? What didn't you like? Yeah, it's really hard to say what you don't like because the the cupboard's just so bare on that side of the ball. Um I was really interested and intrigued by how they handled the DB situation. Um, I thought they got a lot out of some guys that you just would not expect, whether it was AJ Parker or Jerry Jacobs, or even, you know, Bobby Price, the games he played at corner. He had some bad reps for sure, but he had some really, really good reps. And you can see that they've, they've done work with him. Um, Will Harris. I mean, he's been legitimately awful. Every game he's played in the line yes. uniform until they moved him to cornerback. And it's like, you know, maybe the light came out a little bit. I, I don't know, you know, if that's something that will stick or whatever. But, man, it's like they, they got a little bit more out of him, who I thought he was destined for absolute failure. And, you know, maybe they, they saved his career to an extent. Um, so I, so the work with the DBs just impressed me all year long. They, they really were dealing with, you know, when Akuda went down and Amani had a rough start, I thought, to the season. All those guys kind of came around and started playing good. Tracy Walker kind of reestablished himself as a legitimate NFL safety, a guy who deserves to get paid. Um, I, it was kind of unbelievable to me what they were able to accomplish by the end of the year with that group. I mean, there was just, you know, preseason we're looking at this like there was just no talent on that side, especially when Akuda went down. And then just to get what they got out of those guys towards the end, I thought it was fantastic. Your former, your former compatriots, compadres at PFF did not like Derek Barnes. What about you? I did. I did like him. Um, you know, he definitely had flaws coming out of college. He he was a guy who only really played off the ball linebacker for one season, and it wasn't even really a full season. Um, he was more of a uh, you know edge defender hybrid kind of guy. Um, but man, the guy's instincts are phenomenal, and he hits. He has absolute crazy stopping power. You know, when he hits a guy, they go down. They don't get extra yards. There's no yards after contact to be had. He just drops them. Um, I think he's he's got a lot of work to do on the uh, pass defense side of things as a coverage defender, um, but his instincts seem to be really good, and he's got the the fluidity in his movements and athleticism to be really good at that stuff. So it'd be really interesting to me if they uh, to see if they can kind of develop him. And in, in, uh, my comp for him coming out of college, ironically, was uh, Demario Davis, who uh, was you know, great linebacker for the Saints. They're still playing for the Saints. So with Glenn coming over, it almost just made perfect sense that they would they would take him and try to get that kind of production out of him. 
What about on the D-line? Uh, Charles Harris was incredible. Uh, you know, look, again, for the Lions, seven and a half sacks is like 14 sacks for another team. I mean, it just, you know, the, the numbers weren't high, weren't, I don't think, high enough, but for a guy like that who nobody expected anything from and was basically signed off the street, he's almost a, a guy you would want to keep. But uh, on the other hand, uh, Onzerike, was he a disappointment in your mind? Yeah, uh, touching on Harris real quick. Yeah, he, he had a great breakout. Um, our numbers at FCN Data, when he took over as a starting job, he ranked top 10 in pass rush win rate for edge defenders um, from the time you know he took over that starting job till the, the end of the season. So uh, kind of a, a crazy turnaround there. Another you know failed first-round pick that they may have saved his career and, and uh, you know kind of really exposed some things that he can do well. Um, Levi, on the other hand, you know, he, he was disappointing. It's hard to say he was disappointing when he didn't really get the opportunity to disappoint. I don't think he played enough snaps. That was one of my bigger gripes with this defense was, um, it seems like they constantly were, were having Aleem and Levi both on, on pretty hard snap counts every game. And, uh, I would have loved to have seen him play more, but from what we did see, Yeah not strong in the run game and and he did show flashes as a pass rusher but they were pretty you know few and far between but the the good reps are really good Um, but i was definitely disappointed with with his season as a whole brett whitefield with us from ftn data we're going to talk a little bit about the draft and what he uh sees and uh, where the lions are going to go we'll do that coming up next want to remind you Matt Derry here to tell you about an incredible app who everyone who buys gas needs to know about, and it's called GetUpside. My listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. So you just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN for $0.25 per gallon or more on your first fill-up cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN for $0.25 per gallon or more on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot, they're making as much to two to $300 a year in cash back and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out with PayPal or your bank account, get an e-gift card from Amazon or other things. Again, download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. That's code TOUCHDOWN. Talking to Brett Whitefield from FTN. This guy uh, knows it all and has uh, been around the Lions. And from a data perspective, uh, I love uh, Brett's insight. All right, draft-wise, B, uh, we're talking number two pick. Some mocks have said offensive tackle for the Jags at one, leaving Hutchinson at two. Others have Hutch at number one. How do you? How are you massaging this thing right now? <laughs> uh, I mean, they're they're in a good situation because there are just I think several elite players at the top here. Um, I'm contrary to popular belief. I, I actually think there's quarterbacks worth taking there. So Whoa. I'm fine. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm fine with QB. I'm also fine with Hutch or Thibodeau. Those guys are both phenomenal and they both do a lot of different things that would really help this defense. So QB or one of those edge guys and I'm happy. Okay. Hold on a minute. Quarterback that high. What, who, who are you, uh, who are you uh, waving the flag for here? Yeah, Sam Howell is my guy. <laughs> really? He is. Wow. Yes. Wow. That high? That, well, I'm I'm firmly of the belief that if you like a quarterback, you take him. You know, you don't you don't shy away from taking him. I know. I've seen people talking about trading back. You know, higher from with that second first round pick. I just that's you're playing a risky game there. 
Um, I think Howell's worth, I think he has the traits to be, you know, a number one overall type pick kind of guy. So from my point of view, if I was calling the shots, I would just take him at two and not risk it. Um, I do understand, you know, getting maximum value. And if other teams are lower on him, maybe you can play that game a little bit and try to trade, move around. But I would just go ahead and take him at two if I were, if I were calling the shots. I mean, okay. First of all, you know, you're on an Island here. There's nobody. Oh, absolutely. I got, I've been getting dragged relentlessly on Twitter. For but this, that's so. okay. But, 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 okay. I watched him. Not much, not as much as you. There's no way I watched him as much as you. But the turnovers were an issue. He was running for his life. He had no running game. He was like the running back. It was almost like backyard football sometimes. Like, hike it to Sam and he'll just run. Yeah. But wow. I mean, what, what stands out that, uh, that you like so much? Yeah. So if you back up to his 2020 tape when he had a, a legit supporting cast. Uh, he was just utterly phenomenal. I mean, there's a reason coming into this season he was projected as the number one overall pick, and it's because that 2020 tape was awesome. He throws with timing and anticipation, phenomenal arm, great deep ball. Um, he he can throw his zip when he needs to. Uh, he's got all the arm in the world. He's got the ability to create out of structure. Uh, I think all of those things are kind of where the NFL is going. Uh, we just saw Mahomes and Allen battle it out you know, using their legs to, to create out of structure. And I thought that was a kind of a cool example of, of Howell is capable of some of those things, not quite to that level, of course, but he's capable of some of those things mixed with the, you know, his deep ball accuracy and stuff like that. I just think he's, he's really made for today's NFL and he's made for uh, this offense as well. Hmm. But he regressed and, and but you're, you're seeing the regression based off guys like Carter uh, graduating, going to the NFL uh, playing a, had a great year with the Jets, uh, but that's kind of where you saw the regression was his supporting cast. I'd I say the regression. So I'm not 100 percent sure he regressed. Let me explain. So yeah, he lost Diami Brown, his number one receiver, lost his number two receiver to the draft, lost his number one running back and his number two running back to the draft. All those guys, uh, other than the Bears receiver, they were all drafted, you know, on a, a day two pick. Um, he lost an offensive lineman to the draft. And this isn't Alabama or Oklahoma where these guys just reload and he's playing with the next set of first-round picks. That's not how North Carolina is right now. You know that as a program. So what he was asked to do this year was it was really insurmountable. And he basically took that offense and said, you know what, we don't have the run game we used to, so I'll be the run game. And he turns in a 1,000-yard rushing season as a quarterback where we didn't really know that that level of mobility was his thing, but he went out there and he, he put the team on his back. So from that standpoint, I think he showed a ton of leadership. He also exposed a skill set that I don't think we really knew that he had, which in my opinion makes him more valuable than he already was. Um, I would say that the areas he regressed in decision-making a little bit, some of that came with, you know, cohesiveness with the unit as the season progressed, he got much better with that. Um, I think probably as he developed chemistry with, with the new guys he's playing with. Um, and then, you know, throw for throw accuracy. He had a, a, a minor setback this year as well. And again, some of that can be equated to, you know, supporting cast and all that. Uh, I'm not going to put it all on his shoulders, but I'm also not going to excuse him of it either. So I think the truth is somewhere in the middle, but I, yeah, so I, I don't know that he necessarily regressed. I think he, he did. He exceeded in some areas while regressing in, in others. All right, so I'm looking at your Twitter uh, profile. It says COO, FTN Data, Ownership Group, FTN Network, BJJ practitioner, husband and father, former data analyst at PFF. Can you add president of the Sam Howell fan club, please? <laughs> I'll get on that. <laughs> Thanks for 
I I love it, bro. All right, so all right, you th- th- that was uh, a, I, I, that was a surprise to me. I, I love it. All right, so if he's there, let's say the Rams pick turns out to be thirty-one or something, they make the Super Bowl. So if he's there at thirty-one, I mean, you'll go nuts. Like you won't even believe it. You won't even believe yeah, it. So who's QB? So if he's gone and Kenny's gone, who's QB two for the Lions? Would you take a QB late in the first with this group? And obviously the Lions will be coaching Howell at the Senior Bowl and Malik and others. But where do you stand on on the rest of them? There's three QBs I think I'm going to end up with the first round grade on. Uh, at least I should say a firm first round grade on. It's going to be Howell, of course, uh, Malik Willis, and uh, Matt Coral. Oh, okay. So you're a Corral guy too. What about Kenny Pickett? No. Uh, no, I'm I'm not in on Pickett. I don't think he's bad. He's just he, there's not one area of his game he really excels with, and uh, you're gonna laugh at me, but his his hand size is a big issue. <laughs> oh gosh, that's a Jared Goff bit. <laughs> well, it, it is, and it's even worse than Goff. Pickett's got like his hands are so small; they're like three quarters of an inch smaller than any QB draft of the last thirty years. Wow, I did not. I'm learning. I'm. This is why we have you on. And so it's not, yeah, it's just a matter of, like, I'm just not sure the NFL is just going to, like, look the other way on that. But uh, even if that weren't the case, there's just not enough to his game where I I think he's worth a first-round pick. All right, so if your QBs are all gone and they get to 31, and obviously they'll be picking 34th, too. I mean, where do you want to add? Who who else do you like? Yeah, I'm a sucker for just attacking value. Um, And by value, I mean, like, important positions. So I'm looking at wide receivers. I'm looking at defensive backs, probably. Anybody edge that defenders as well, but I think a lot of the good edge defenders will be gone by then. Anybody they're coaching at the Senior Bowl that you like? I, I love the kid Jones from Tennessee. It obviously started at USC and was the kick returner too. Anybody, anybody that uh, jumps out? Yeah, uh, I think their DB room in, in Mobile is really, really nice. I'll be down there too. By the way, Are you going? Uh, no, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Roger McCurry, the Auburn corner, I think you know. He's a phenomenal corner, good fit for what they want to do. Can, can play both man and zone. Uh, really good athlete, long. Uh, reminds me of Amani a little bit, actually. I think he's a little bit more oily in the hips than Amani, but uh, I really, really like him. And they're going to be coaching him Mobile, so that's definitely a guy to keep an eye on at the end of the first, early second. Um, I don't know how the NFL is going to view him. Uh, we were a little early in the process for that, but maybe even you know if they got super lucky, the, that first pick in the third round. Do you think Jamison Williams could drop to the Lions late first based off the knee? Or no way? It's definitely a possibility, and if, the, and if that happens, they need to sprint the card up. I agree. I agree with that. He's, he's my he's my favorite receiver in this class by far, not even close. You just wonder with the injuries and how that will affect uh, yeah. what teams think. So, All right, Brett, always love talking to you, buddy. Uh, have fun in Mobile, and we'll talk soon. All right, sounds good, Matt. See you. There he is, Brett Whitefield. He's the man. We love talking to him. The numbers, a guru, and boy, his love for Sam Howell. How about that? Uh, at FTN Data. And if you go to his Twitter page, at BG Whitefield, it does say now, president of Sam Howell Fan Club. I am so proud of him. Thank you, Brett. All right, everybody. Super Bowl is right around the corner this weekend. We found out who goes to the big game in L.A. Here to break it all down are the local experts covering the four remaining conference championship teams. The way that only we can here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Here's everything you need to know about this weekend's games from our friends at the Locked On Now Podcast. Coming up, Championship Sunday is just days away, and we've got to punch two tickets to the Super Bowl. 
Who will serve as the reigning AFC and NFC champions for the year to come? We'll find out what each team still standing needs to do to earn a conference title on Locked On Now NFL. The biggest games, the best performances, expert analysis. You are Locked On Now. You're listening to Locked On Now NFL, local experts on the biggest stories throughout the NFL. I'm your host, Kim Becker, and thanks so much for making Locked On Now your first listen every weekday. Our Locked On NFL hosts are here to look ahead to the NFC and AFC championship games. Let's start where these teams are trying to get to Los Angeles, SoFi Stadium. They will host the Super Bowl in two weeks, but first, the Rams have to host the 49ers for the NFC crown. The biggest game. San Francisco 49ers fans don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo will be their starting quarterback next season, but they do know that he'll be under center to try to win his second NFC championship game in three years against the Rams on Sunday. With a chance to remain undefeated against the NFC in the postseason, our Locked On 49ers host says the key to a San Francisco victory is Jimmy G not making the big mistakes that could cost the Niners the whole game. What's good, everybody? It's your boy, former NFL and AFL defensive back Eric Crocker, and I am one half of the Locked On 49ers crew here to give you your 49ers' main key to victory as they travel to Levi South and take on the Los Angeles. Rams in the NFC Championship game. All right. I, I think this this game, it begins and ends with the play of Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, if I had to give just one main key victory here, it's Jimmy G, don't turn the ball over. And if you do, just limit it. So right now, 49ers, the way I see it, Jimmy G, one turnover. That's all we're giving you, just one. Anything more than that, it would be trouble for the San Francisco 49ers. All right, so that's going to do it, man. I hope you guys appreciate that. Make sure you guys listen to our show as well, Locked On 49ers, the best show on the Locked On Network podcast. Let's go, 49ers, win this game this Sunday. Matthew Stafford picked up his first playoff win just a couple of weeks ago, and now he's a win away from playing the biggest football game on the planet in the Rams' home stadium. Our Locked On Rams host tells you how L.A. gets the veteran QB to the Super Bowl he's chased for 12 whole seasons. Hey, it's Travis Rogers from Locked On Rams. So here is the one key to victory this weekend for the Rams in the NFC Championship game against the San Francisco 49ers. Remember when you used to play with matches as a kid and maybe you'd get away with it once in a while and a couple of weeks, months, years later, you realize how bad of an idea that was that you could have burned the whole house down? That was the Rams in Tampa against the Bucks. They were playing with matches. They turned it over way too many times. Four turnovers in that game. Somehow they escaped. Somehow they beat Tom Brady despite turning it over four different times. If they're going to beat the Niners, they simply cannot do that. They might be able to get away with one. Two is probably the end of the wrap. And anything more than that, it is absolutely not going to happen for you there. You can check out more about the Los Angeles Rams on my podcast, Locked on Rams, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. It is free and available on all platforms, your team, every day. The Kansas City Chiefs played the Cincinnati Bengals just a few weeks ago at the end of the regular season, and since he won. So how do the Chiefs make sure that that doesn't happen again with a trip to the Super Bowl on the line? 
Our Lockdown Chiefs says a combination of learning from the mistakes of that game and keeping the momentum going from last week will add up to a big win. But he has more on the details. The AFC Championship game comes down to two things for the Kansas City Chiefs. Can Patrick the Reaper Mahomes continue his run as we saw against the Bills? And can the Chiefs defense and its staff learn its lesson from the last time they played the Cincinnati Bengals? I'm Ryan Tracy from Locked On Chiefs, and that's what it comes down to. You saw an extraordinary effort by the offense, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, to not only get to overtime, but then win it. They don't need to do that. They have to avoid it, in fact, in order to get this win against a team that is nearly as explosive. On the other side, you have to be careful if you're Steve Spagnuolo or anyone out there on the field on the defensive side of the ball to not overreact to what you saw the last time when Jamar Chase destroyed that secondary on a circus catch after circus catch. Tyron Matthews should be back and playing in this ballgame. That helps. You have to adjust and you have to play over the top and you have to try to take Chase and limit him. Not take him away because then you're devoting too many other resources to that and someone else is going to hurt you. I think they're going to play more zone. I think they have to back off and let Joe Mixon hurt them if he can. They'll live with that, and that will get them the win. For more on this game and your Chiefs, check out Locked On Chiefs. We're free on every platform. We're part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Joe Burrow took a beating last week as he fought his way into the AFC Championship game. And while Cincinnati does already have a win against Kansas City under its belt this season, our Locked On Bengals host says that the team can't get a second one if it doesn't keep its quarterback on his feet. Will the Bengals take down the Chiefs on Sunday in Kansas City in advance to the Super Bowl? Hi again, everyone. I'm James Rapine of the Locked On Bengals podcast, and that is the question going into this epic AFC championship game between two teams that played each other this month. They played each other on January 2nd at Paul Brown Stadium The Bengals came out victorious 34 to 31, overcoming three different 14 point deficits. I expect Sunday to be a different story. The Bengals can't fall behind against this Chiefs team by two scores and expect a rally on the road. But the number one key, protect Joe Burrow. Burrow was sacked nine times last week against the Titans. He was hit 13 times. And yeah, the offense had 19 points. Well, 19 points isn't going to cut it against Patrick Mahomes. The magic number? 40. If they can somehow get to 40, you feel good about their chances. How do they do that? They keep Joe Burrow upright. If they do that, he can distribute the ball to all of his weapons, including Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd, and the Bengals just might sneak in to the Super Bowl. For more, make sure you check out the free and the only daily Bengals podcast, Locked on Bengals, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. That's a wrap for us here. Thanks so much for making Locked On Now your first listen every day. For more on the National Football League and your team, make your second listen Locked On NFL and your team's Locked On podcast. I'm Kim Becker. This has been Locked On Now. Locked On your team every day.